to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that has less direction than Gerard Butler's career. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of MazeandBrew.com, and my hetero life mate. Andy, you red-headed Irish vagabond of ill repute. How are you on this St. Patrick's Day Eve? I'm good. I'm, it is St. Patrick's Day. Sure is. Yeah. That's why I'm <laughs> so much over here. That and that's just who I am. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I call that a Wednesday here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm great, man. Full of, you know, anxiety, nervous thoughts. I haven't slept much this week thinking about what's upcoming. And yeah, a lot of hypotheticals to run through with you tonight. Excited about it, man. Uh, not as excited as I would have been had the injury to Isaiah Livers not have occurred in the Big Ten tournament. Sounds like it may have occurred before then, but nonetheless, still excited uh, to get into the NCAA tournament and excited to see what this team can do. we got a pretty favorable draw, uh, but before we get into that, let's kind of recap the Big Ten tournament and what happened there. Yeah, so the tournament kicked off for Michigan, opened up with a 79-66 win against Maryland. And we're going to know this game forever as the Mike Smith game as he broke the Big Ten tournament record for assists in a game previously held by former Wolverine Derek Walton. Is it the Mike Smith game or is it the Juwan Howard smoke game? You know, I want to go with the latter, but that's going to be forgotten. So I think it'll endure as the Mike Smith game. But to us, it's going to be the Juwan Howard was going to effing kill you game. Yes. I mean, that's what I remember, but it's, you know, a couple days later. But, yeah, the record will stand uh, a little bit longer. Also, we've been saying it. We've been saying it for 10 damn years. There's going to be a Mike Smith game. And, uh, you know, how fortuitous that it happened right after our podcast and needed to happen because, you know, we needed uh, Mike Smith in this game, even though we ended up winning fairly comfortably. But huge performance from him. And we're going to need to see that with livers out nightly from here on out. Yeah, it can't be overstated how much Mike Smith's impact is going to be just needed on both sides of the ball and playmaking and shot making. He's been statistically our best three-point shooter on the year, and he's going to have to pick up his attempts per game now without Livers because Livers was our second best shooter on the year. It's rough, but I do think it's guard play that gets you through the tournament. That's something that I think I heard said maybe 10 years ago by like Dick Vitale or something. And it's always stuck with me because in our runs, guard play has been hugely important. They have the ball in their hands every single time. So Mike Smith emerging right now is a good thing for this team. And it's going to be so interesting without Livers. We may as well talk about it. Um, Well, first, before I get into that, we have to touch again on the Juwan Howard smoke game. When we say the Juwan Howard smoke game, we're talking about Juwan Howard literally attempting to fight the Maryland head coach, who's like a 70-year-old man, and Juwan Howard is 6'9", a comfortable 265. <laughs> Just <and> stacked. <laughs> stacked. And the nicest guy ever, when a nice guy like that, that seems like he's just the salt of the earth, loses it. I mean, that's scary. Like, that scared me for a moment. It's fright. Like, the only thing more frightening would be, like, if John Beeline was just a little bit taller and got super mad. Because it's just like your lovable grandpa, but now he's about to rip your arms off and beat you with them. Right. And he's probably still over six foot, I'm sure. Like, I still don't want any smoke with John Beeline, but he is, like, the nice... I met him a couple times, and he was, as he seems, a nice old grandpa figure. But But Howard, like, while also seeming like the nice guy... And, you know, from all accounts, he is just one of the best guys. NBA guys say it. Other coaches say it. The players obviously love him. Uh, Rex Chapman, who on Twitter has one of the biggest uh, Twitter followings, he uh, retweeted 
that clip of Juwan Howard about to take down the Maryland head coach and, and fight him into a different dimension. And he, he said, this is the nicest guy ever, the most professional guy ever, but you don't want smoke with him. And I was like, I can imagine not. <laughs> like, yeah. Six, nine built like a, a, a freaking schoolhouse. It's, and, yeah. yeah. You don't want to make Juwan Howard mad. Like you see why this team respects him so much, just aside from his like, athletic pedigree it's like no he will kill you and he will let you know about it. he was on the fab five you know he has an edge to him like he's not just you know all what you see all the time he can be professional but you cross a line with him but you and i were joking offline uh their coach uh what's his name turjon Tur- turgeon 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 yeah he was like yeah you're out of the coach's box and then juan howard's like, i'm gonna kill you it's like, <laughs> escalated here yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Juwan's from Chicago, right? Like, he grew up in, like, pretty rough streets. The dude knows how to fight. And, yeah, like Rex Chapman said, like, this is the guy that you want on your teammate. He's the nicest guy ever until it's time to go. And then, like, stay out of the way. I love that. Like, how would you not want to play for this dude? Where where did you find a bottle to break over here? Like, where did that beer bottle come from, Juwan? Just ready to go with a weapon. It's like, this got out of hand. Go back and watch it in slow-mo. He pulls out a trident from underneath the bench. <laughs> it was all missed in the mayhem, but it came out. I love the game comes back to commercial break. It's like, well, Juwan Howard got double-teched and kicked out. I love it. And then it goes to Martelli, and Martelli keeps the pettiness going by yeah. waving off the guys as they're, they beat Maryland. I'm like, give me all the pettiness. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm here for it. I, I'm not all like about the uh, the sanctimony of sports. Give it to me. No, you it's page yeah exact same page so um rest in peace to marvelous marvin Hagler, a famous boxer just died last week and he was the same way he was known as the grinder like he would beat you up and afterwards he's not gonna hug you like you see fighters and boxers do no it was personal i still hate you and he would let you know about it he didn't lose that that just that mf or in him he's like no nah, that's still me and i want you to know about it and that's how this michigan team was after that game it's like juan howard's like, yeah we're still going to let you know about it, even if I'm not on this court. Martelli kept the smoke going. So, yeah, man, it's going to be the smoke game to us, but it will endure as the Mike Smith game. Absolutely. So, great win over Maryland. I'm glad they didn't get knocked out the first round, which, you know, some people were saying without Isaiah Livers, and he was in for a little bit of this game. Or actually, he was in for most of this game. It wasn't until the end of this game that he went out, but you could tell he was struggling through this. Uh, they advanced, and then they uh, rematch against Ohio State, where I won't say the wheels fell off, and it's not overly surprising that we lost this. I kind of thought we might get knocked out here, but I'm very impressed with the comeback in that game because it could have been a, a lot worse. Franz Wagner fall, fouls out. You got no livers and you still fight back in that game when no one was really having a great offensive performance. So that that loss doesn't really stick with me too bad. No, down, I believe, 13 with um, around 430 to go and mounted that comeback, forced the three straight turnovers by Ohio State. You had a chance to win it at the end without two of your starting five out there. I mean, I think there's a lot more to take from that than what some fans were just knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, before we get into the last shot, what was the stat you were telling me uh, about Ohio State shooting in that game from three-point percentage? Ohio State shooting clips for this game. They shot 42% field goals. They shot 57% from the free throw line. And they shot 54.5% from the three-point line. I've never heard. It's called a free throw. I mean, I've never heard of the three-point percentage being that close to a free throw percentage and then still getting the win. That is a bizarre shooting line. I don't know. On here, you can't do the stats by half, 
but I believe in the second half of this game, they shot like 10 of 11 from three. I mean, that's preposterous and that's tough to, I mean, when you're trying to come back as it is, it makes the fact that they were in this game and had a chance to win it on the last possession, even more impressive. Um, so we won't talk too much about, um, you know, getting down by 13. That's happened quite a few times to this Michigan team and they're able, they don't really get based by going down double digits, no. which is good with the tournament coming up. Um, but I will, and we should spend a couple minutes here on that last shot. And you and I were talking about it offline at the moment. I was okay with it, but the more we talk about it, I really think that ball should have gone through Dickinson. Should have gone through Dickinson. The ball should have been in the paint regardless. Like we, like we spoke, you got to let the referee be able to throw his hat in there. If he wants to like go in there, initiate some contact, get an ugly shot, especially when you're only down by one point. Hunter Dickinson had been having a run. He was by far the best player on the court for us during the game. He finished with 21 points and eight boards. Like he's got to get a touch there. I just didn't like the complete isolation with Mike Smith, who was one of 10 at that point in the game, finished one of 11, just nothing really set up. I understand keeping it in the flow, not calling the timeout, but man, you want Dickinson to get a touch. You want to get that ball in the paint. So I think it was just kind of a missed opportunity. I'm okay with playing for the last shot though. How do you feel about that? I love that. I'm all about just playing for the last shot. Let's go win it now. We don't need anything else. I like running down the clock. I go back and forth with wanting a timeout. In this case, I like they didn't call one because there's plenty of time to set everything up. But yeah, I was okay with how it unfolded. Just I just didn't like the shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, we're in total agreement as we discussed this offline, but uh, you made the perfect point. You have to at least give the refs a chance to, to throw their hat into the ring on, like when the game's on the line like that, um, especially against Dickinson, who can draw foul, fouls pretty well, and then he only has to hit one of two to tie it. So I would have preferred to have seen that. Um, a step back three from a guy who was one for ten up to that point, not really what you want to draw up. Step back threes are becoming all the rage in the NBA, but there's like four guys that can hit them reliably. So at the college level, that's not a good shot. It's not a high percentage shot. No, especially from somebody on a cold night. Like, I understand you need somebody to take it, but Brooks had picked it up a little bit at that point. Austin Davis, I don't think he was on the court, but he'd played well. But yeah, man, Dickinson, he's second-team All-American for a reason. Give, give him the rock. Just let him do something. Like, I think he could have drawn a foul at the very least. Yeah, I agree, but it's fine. That's not what we were here for. We were the regular season champs, uh, Illinois. You know, they're going to hang their banner in their mind for this. And, you know, kudos to them. They did end up winning the tournament. Ohio State took them to overtime after being down like 15 in that game. So that was a, a really good game as well. And Illinois, man, they could be they could be a problem. But uh, it was good to get Eli Brooks back. That seemed like a minor miracle for both games. I, we were not expecting him for the whole tournament run. And uh, good to see him out there. And he looked pretty healthy <laughs> from what I could tell. Yeah. At first, he started off really sluggish shooting the ball and moving. But, I mean, quickly regained form. It's like, oh, Eli Brooks is here again. That's, that's great. And little did we know we're going to be without Isaiah Liver. So I couldn't imagine being without both of them. <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, when we were talking about Brooks, we were like, I don't know what this team can do without him. Like, he's so important. We'll multiply that by three for Livers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We're not yeah. going to get back into everything that we said last week because, I mean, this is a team, this isn't like the most overwhelming team as far as talent that you'll ever see in the tournament. Like, it's not the Fab Five. No. Where you could lose like a role player and still be like, well, we still got Chris Weber out there. I mean, we still got Dickinson and Wagner, but Wagner's been incredibly inconsistent. Uh, Dickinson has been consistent, but I mean, that's one guy that if you really attack in the paint, get him into foul trouble early, Michigan's all of a sudden relying on Austin Davis and Brandon Johns. So 
I mean, it's losing one of your big three. This is much bigger than losing Eli Brooks as much as we love what he does, especially defensively around the perimeter and as a free throw shooter. I mean, we don't need to tell you what Isaiah Livers is to this team. You know what he is to this team. I mean, he's been there. This would have been his third. I mean, he's been to two finals, right? He's been to one. He's been the one. They went to the championship in 18. He was a part of his part freshman of year. 19, I believe they lost in the Sweet 16. Yeah. And then, and, but he's only been there for two runs. Yeah. And then last year was canceled. Now this year. Right. Yep. So he's only been gotten two runs um, in, a, in a long career there. So it's such a bummer for him. And, you know, it's a, it's a stress fracture in the foot and it's theoretically possible to play through the pain. You can make the injury worse. But I've had stress fractures uh, when I used to run a lot. You probably have, too, as a mm-hmm. runner. So, I mean, it's something that I, a lot of people have dealt with, and it's painful. And it's tough to plant and get, like, a really effective cut uh, on a basketball court, I'm sure. But he could theoretically be out there and, and maybe as, like, a decoy, you know. If nothing else, he's, he's our best three-point shooter. So Exactly. That's the hope to – even if he sits out the first weekend, just get him back for the Sweet 16, Elite 8, and then just see from there. See if he can keep going. If not – possibly gets us to the final four, which is a very successful season. He gets to play. I don't think you rush him out there. I guarantee they're giving him everything under God's green sun that they're just like, we're going to get you as healthy as possible. And Michigan's got the resources to bring him down to Indy to do it. So I won't expect him this weekend, but I do expect him to play next weekend. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. This dude is a tough, tough dude. And you know, uh, CJ McCollum uh, from the Portland trailblazers coming off a similar injury. And he sat out for two months and could he have come back earlier if it were the playoffs? Yes. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what it is with these stress fractures in the foot. I don't think they ever even really fully heal. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe for a younger guy, but like a stress fracture and like some, those little bones in the foot, depending on where it's at, it might never heal fully. So, uh, I mean, I'm not here advocating one way or another. I'm just, you know, from an injury that we've seen before in basketball players, you know, there is some precedent for this. And if he can come back by, you know, Maybe we'll be facing LSU the second week, which we could theoretically get through without him. But then it's going to be maybe like the Florida States of the world and things start to get a little dicey. So We, we get LSU without him. Yeah, we get them on Monday without him. Assuming we get through. Assuming there's not a 1 versus 16 upset again. Assuming we get through, who is it? Mount St. Helens? Southern um, and I got it right here. Uh, it's either going to be Texas Southern or St. Mary's or something like that. Uh, Mount St. Mary. Sorry, I was close. I said Mount St. Helens. Uh, <laughs> same thing. They're a volcano disaster for basketball team. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, assuming the, you know, the second ever 116 upset doesn't happen, you play LSU without him. But then it's like you said, getting into the Florida States. Then after that, like the Texas, the Alabamas and things like that. And so what do you think is the ceiling of this team if Isaiah Livers does not play at all in the tournament? I'm not the type of person to immediately like, I, I've been a little upset with some of the Michigan fan base being like, Oh, we might lose week two now. And I'm like, look, you don't get a number one seed because of one guy. This isn't a team built around Dikembe Mutombo or like, I don't know, like who's, who was like an all timer, Patrick you know, Ewing, Patrick Ewing or Ray Allen or Allen Iverson guys that their whole team was built around that. Kimba Walker, Kimba <laughs> Walker, you know, like guys that are going to, you put the team on their shoulder. Livers was maybe the most important guy, but Dickinson and Wagner can easily step up. I mean, we've got guys that can, that 
can really step up. Mike Smith, we spent a whole pod talking about what he's capable of. So I think that now Elite Eight would be a very successful run, but I still think they could make it to the Final Four. They got enough talent. Like, I'm not all out on this team. No, and you don't know how the other games are going to unfold. We could sit here and be like, oh, we're going to lose to Alabama. Don't know if Alabama's going to make it. Like, that's what makes the tournament so much fun. All of the just unpredictability. Like, when Michigan went to the final a couple years ago, had to go through Loyola, like, to get in. It's like, no one saw that coming. So, if Michigan could get a favorable draw that way and keep advancing. So, I- I'm with you. I'm very positive. I think Elite Eight would be a huge win. But I'm not going to count out this team. They're too well coached. They're too motivated. Hunter Dickinson's quote today about everyone in this room believes we're going to win just made me want to run through a wall. Oh, 100%, man. They believe in this team, and they don't believe this is a team that their success is predicated on one guy. I don't think even Isaiah Livers thinks that. I mean, I, I believe that this team could be – I mean, it's just so unfortunate because this could have potentially been my favorite Michigan team ever. Yeah. At full strength with Livers playing healthy through the whole tournament. And even if they got knocked out in the Elite Eight, you know, or the Final Four, which is still amazing – um, this would be right up there with my favorite teams to just to watch and the way they play together and the, the fact that they really ride for their coach. So it's a, a huge bummer. Like it hurts my heart to, to be talking about this run without Isaiah Livers. But yeah, I think we're both still on board. Like I assure you in my bracket at work, I'm taking Michigan to the to the natty. So that's, yeah, that's how it is. Not jumping off the ship now. <laughs> it's like every year we do the Michigan Ohio State predictions. Like we talk about the year Michigan beats them eventually, whenever it happens in time. And, you know, we believe in religion again, we don't want to be the guys that picked Ohio state to win that game. No, I'm always going to pick Michigan. Like it's just going to be that way. I'm sorry. It's the fan in me. Yeah, exactly. Last year, uh, we didn't know if we were going to have the game. And I said, I'm not picking Michigan to win last year, uh, but that would have been an outlier, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm not going to be the guy that doesn't pick Michigan to go to the final four of my team. Yeah. And then they do because things happen. And like nobody expected them to go to that finals against Louisville in, in 14 with Burke and those guys. Like in my bracket, I had him going out in the final four. I will never make that mistake again. No, learn not to bet against him. Like the shot against Houston, like should have lost that game, but we didn't end up going all the way to the ship and playing Villanova. It's like, you know, just don't, don't pick against them now, guys. It's okay. Don't jump off because I said one player's down. Like Isaiah Livers wasn't dropping 30 a game and pulling 15 boards. Like it's, it's okay. Right. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the tournament. We're going to start a little bit of discussion about football. Uh, The spring draft is right around the corner. Not going to get too deep into that, but really want to talk about this tournament. I've got some superlatives for you when we get back right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about what this NCAA tournament run could potentially look like and what we expect out of this. So we're opening up with either Texas Southern or Mount Mary's on Saturday at 3.30 Eastern time. And neither one of them should be too much of a burden, but I mean, this is the NCAA tournament and weird things can happen. However, there's only been one upset of a 16 versus one seed in the tournament history, correct? Correct. And it was uh, recently when UNBC upset Virginia and then the next year Virginia won the national championship. So that's redemption. Would you take losing in the first round this year if it meant a natty next year? facts if you can guarantee a natty like that say less yeah let's let's get embarrassed and we'll come back next year and rather everybody's stupid faces i don't think that's an option but if it were maybe we would take it so we should at at worst escape out of the first round i'm interested to see what the line is on that without livers i'm sure the vegas guys are still working on that 
I'm betting on the cover, baby. I'm riding them through this. Then after that, uh, the region, I would say overall, I think this draw isn't too bad for us. LSU is probably the team that you're looking at afterwards, but St. Bonaventure, I mean, it's an eight versus a nine seed. So if they come out over LSU, I don't think anyone's going to freak out about it necessarily. No, it's just the Bonnies are a lesser known name. And I believe LSU is higher ranked on Ken Palm and a team, a little more national exposure. You've seen an SEC team as well. So everybody's kind of penciling them in. But you said it's an 8-9. A lot can happen in the tournament. Also, I mean, a little bit of a pivot here, but the NCAA tournament, I think, might be the purest representation of just the, the craziness of sports. Whereas in like the NFL, or college football, college football, especially like you can really predict what the outcome of the game is going to be on any given week based on what you've seen from those teams. You get occasional big upsets. I mean, obviously the app state Michigan one's probably the most talked about one, but I mean, the whole team's still drunk. That's one thing, but those, those don't happen very often in college football and college basketball. I mean, it, it can come down to one shot. And if it comes down to one shot, who knows? So, I mean, crazy things happen in this tournament and certainly crazier than a nine over an eight has happened. Um, but I, I do expect LSU to get through this. They've got, uh, they play pretty decent defense. Um, but then after that, things get interesting where I'm looking at Florida state potentially being the next guy up there. It could be somebody like Colorado, my alma mater, but I've watched quite a bit of Colorado and they don't necessarily scare me, but the teams that I'm looking at that we could play after an LSU, I would say Florida State's the one I got my eye on. What about you? Yeah, Florida State there, and obviously Alabama's kind of lurking in the wings. Texas is a hot pick as well. Alabama, I don't want to see without Isaiah Livers, but that we wouldn't face them, I believe, until the Elite Eight, though. So Correct that's two. So yeah, yeah, that's a that's a ways away. Texas is the three. So yeah, Florida State, I believe, would be a rematch from either the Elite Eight or Sweet 16 in 2018. So that'd be fun to play them again, had their number then. So, no, man, they're, Florida State's a legit team. They're going to be athletic. Leonard Hamilton's a great coach. They're going to play awesome defense again. And that's a team that does worry me. And that, But, I mean, it's a Sweet 16. It's time to play good teams. I'm sorry, you can't avoid them forever. Yeah, it's going to happen at some point. And, I mean, Florida State randomly becoming, like, power forward you. They've put out some really, really good athletic power forwards that can, you know, play the modern game. And Scotty Barnes is no different, very athletic, but a freshman. And when it comes to tournament time, I don't worry necessarily as much about the ridiculous elite freshmen like the Cade Cunninghams or the Evan Mobleys of the world. Gonzaga's a little different because they've got Jalen Suggs, but they've also got pieces all around him. And he's a legit, I mean, he's going to go to an NBA team and put out 14 and seven his first year. So he's a little different, but I don't necessarily worry about those young studs um, in the tournament. I worry more about, you know, seasoned senior guards that are very crafty and know how to make the right plays. So I'm not as worried about Florida State's star power, but they are, like you said, a well-coached team. And either LSU, Florida State could provide problems. But after that, um, I mean, then you're looking at getting into that West bracket where in that bracket, um, or excuse me, the... uh, yeah, the, the West bracket you would get into after that, which Gonzaga's in that bracket, Iowa's in that bracket, um, Virginia's in that bracket. So there's some there's some seasoned teams there that you wouldn't necessarily want to see. And like a team like Virginia, <laughs> you really don't want to see missing your best senior leader, you know, the glue guy, as well as one of your stars. That's where I start to get worried. Not necessarily about <clears throat> the teams that are predicated on the young stars. Yeah, Virginia Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 will be an awesome matchup to watch because 
Virginia is the frustrating team to play because they limit possessions because their offense is designed to run down the clock and play defense. So you're going to always going to play games more or less in the fifties, but that's also why they were so easily upset that one year, because if you're not hitting and you're limiting possessions, it's hard to catch up. You're not used to playing fast and can score in bunches. But as we saw the next year, man, when they're on good luck beating them in the first of 55. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's going to be a lot of games in this tournament that come down to, you know, 68 69 kind of games just like that ohio state game was where it's going to come down to that last shot who's taking the last shot for michigan now with livers out we saw it was mike smith against ohio state which we both kind of said was i don't want to say it's a mistake i'm not here to 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 rag on Jawan howard who's proven himself already um but maybe not the best call who do you think in crunch time is getting the ball for michigan here are they just going hot hand i want to say they're going to go hot hand i also want to say they're going to feed hunter dickinson but I think with team's ability to willing to double down on him and Dickinson's inability to efficiently pass out of those, I think it's Franz Wagner. I think he'll have the ball and he'll create. He'll either take a shot or he'll get somebody open. Honestly, call me crazy. I would love Eli Brooks to be taking that shot. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, he's not statistically the best, but he's been hot. He's been coming back on a stretch, a senior laden player. Like I trust Brooks shooting the ball. I just do. That's interesting. That would not be my go-to guy for a clutch three-pointer. Now, maybe a clutch drive to the basket. He is our best free-throw shooter at 94%. We ran through the numbers earlier. Livers is our best three-point shooter. Second. Mike Smith is. Oh, yeah. He's second in percentage, but he has way more made threes. Yeah, correct. He's taking a lot more. So Mike Smith is number two. So you're going to see a lot of those threes go to Smith. Um, And then after that, the next highest percentage actually goes to, wasn't it Brandon John, surprisingly? I believe, yeah, Brandon John. Jace Howard's technically number one, but the right. sample size is way too small. Right. We need at least 20 attempts there. So yeah. Brandon Johns actually shoots the three at a pretty decent clip. So he's going to get a chance here. I mean, he's going to be a guy, I would say, of all the guys that probably sees his minutes go up, him and Brown are going to see their minutes jump up. And some of those three balls are going to go to him. Um, Mike Smith's going to shoot have to shoot more threes as well. We're going to need offense from those guys. Shonday Brown. One in three games will absolutely light it up, but his percentage shows that he is a streaky shooter, but we love him, and you know I'm, I'm all about it. He's going to have a big game at one point. And we have to have it. <clears throat> we have to have the Shonday Brown game where he just puts up like 18. Like it needs to be there, need to have that, a little bit of consistency from him, or just even just the spark plug energy. If it's for like a hot five, 10 minutes right off the bat, something like that would be fantastic from him because we know it's not going to last too long. Just Just enjoy it while it does. Right, right. And uh, also, while we're on the the subject here, Franz Wagner, who has been my dude all season, I've said he's the best guy on the team. uh, I'm going to kind of go in on him a little bit here and that we need consistency out of him down the stretch in the last few games in the Big Ten tournament. He was either the best player on the floor by a wide margin or he was making like losing plays at times where he's turning the ball over and just didn't seem locked in. I mean, he's still I won't say he's making losing plays. Um, that's more just saying like on offense, he was turning the ball over. He still impacts winning on defense and, you know, some of the things he does like setting screens and hustling after loose balls and things like that, but we're going to need him locked in and consistent for the rest of the way. No more off games, unless it's the, you know, the first game where maybe you can get away with it. But after that, you're not getting away with Franz Wagner, not playing to his level. And now's your chance. If you want to move up in the draft, here you go. Yeah, this is a prime opportunity for him. And defensively, the effort's been there, but he has to be a little more disciplined because a couple of those fouls late in that game were pretty inexcusable. Like, just you can't jump when you have four fouls. I'm sorry. You don't need to block a shot. Just 
let him get the layup. It's okay. I know you're trained against that all the way, but you have to have some kind of situational awareness. You're a sophomore now. You're a team leader. Like you have to understand that. You can't just be overly aggressive and then take yourself out of the game when the team needs you the most. So <clears throat> need to see a big step up from Franz coming forward, and his workload's going to not double, but it's going to be more significant without Isaiah Livers in the lineup. It is important to remember, and I'm glad you reminded me, that he is only a sophomore. We expect – I expect and i mean a lot of michigan faithful are are with me here that we expect him to be like one of the guys but he is still very young but we need winning plays every possession in every game that you're playing moving forward and those turnovers like i know you were trying to get it into dickinson in that game in the loss to michigan state um but you you need to still run the offense as it's predicated and um And I expect he will step up, but we need to see that consistency from both him and Brown if things are going to go deep. And, you know, the other factor, the other guy that we haven't really talked about, which is going to be the biggest factor on the team now, especially with Livers gone, is Dickinson's going to have to average 20 points a game. Am I, I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> like, No, we, we need a double-double from Dickinson. We need 20 and 10, and he needs shots. He needs to be getting shots up all game, not waiting until the second half to be fed. Like, feed him inside. Make teams crash down on him and just spread the floor out around him and let it kick it out. Like we talked about off-air, like there's a chance you could go really small with Dickinson in the middle with Brown, Brooks, um, Smith, and who am I missing? Wagner. And mm-hmm. spread them around him and just let him go to work inside. They'll crash down. You'll space them out, give them some room to work. And if they come for a double, you kick the ball for an open three. So they have flexibility with what they have remaining. I think that's probably your best starting lineup to go small uh, right out of the gate. But you might also want to play Brandon Johns at the forward yep. as well and keep Shonday Brown coming off the bench. Or I mean, you can still get creative. Um, you, you had some depth on this team. This isn't the deepest team that I've ever seen, but there is some depth. Um, Terrence Williams is going to be a guy that needs to come in. And I like what he does defensively so far. I like his energy. I mean, he's very young. Obviously, he's a freshman, and it's going to be tough to put him in these positions. But sometimes these freshmen, man, on big stages, they're not old enough to – like realize what the stakes are you know it's like you've got a a guy pitching a perfect game you sub in some you know 19 year old guy out of double a because he doesn't understand the stakes like you put somebody in there to break up the no-no or the perfect game because they're they're too young to understand like how big this is so i'm not saying young guys can't step up but i think that do you agree that it's got to be johns probably is the guy that needs to step up the most here absolutely davis has been nice when he likes you know what you're getting Exactly, but you can't play he and Dickinson together. It's just way too much beef up there with not enough like spreading the floor capability. It's got to be Johns, and he's got to keep. I mean, got to get those three numbers. Like, just keep them where they are. Got to get some more attempts coming in. But Michigan's got to be hitting the three. If we're not hitting the three, they could lose to LSU. That's the biggest thing because if they go cold again, like they did early against Maryland, and go down by thirteen, I I don't like the comeback potential against some of these teams. No, and people forget that recently Michigan has been known as an offensive team under Beeline, and then like the last year Beeline was there, you started to see defense, and it's like, oh, wow, this team now is starting to get you know multidimensional. And Jawan Howard came in, and that really continued, and they've become an excellent defensive team. But this is primarily an offensive team, so losing your, your highest volume three-point shooter, your senior leader out there, the most consistent guy on the team by far was Livers. By far. I mean, that's that's far and away. The next guy is probably Mike Smith. Yeah, this – it's not the biggest loss because I think 
Dickinson would be a bigger loss. Dickinson would be a bigger loss because the drop off down. It's you can move some pieces around to like supplement livers. Dickinson would be a bigger loss, but the intangibles livers brings like to calm people down. Like remember he and Juwan Howard going at it in the early on in the season. It's like having another coach out there. Right. Like he's just that important to this team. So it hurts. It hurts a lot, but at least he's still going to be there. Like, you know, can be around the team and in person and everything like that. And so hope we get him back for the sweet 16, because every game will be a grind second weekend on without him. Yeah. I mean, like we said, we both had fractured and we don't know the extent of his injury. And if it's too bad, you don't want to push it. But I mean, if he can get out there and gut it through the pain, I imagine that we'll see him out there. And if all he's doing is shooting, jacking up threes and being out there as a distraction, he's still helping the team. So it's a big loss, but I agree Dickinson would be the biggest loss. Dickinson's the reason we jumped up from being a team people thought would be kind of good to being a number one seed. So uh, we can still make a run here, and I'm still excited to watch him. I'm still betting on Michigan to to cover the spread in the first couple games, and you know uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. But uh, before we continue on, need to take just a quick second here to talk about the good people over at Home Field Apparel, keeping me warm during this spring winter snowstorm here in denver home fields got me covered with my michigan hoodie with my old school logo not wearing it tonight because it's in the wash but i wear that thing almost nightly incredibly comfortable and their selections really what got me so get on to home field check it out if you're a college football fan they've got everything from old school to new school every school out there one of the largest selections you'll see and just comfortable and affordable that's what you're looking for you can get 20 percent off your first purchase with mnb at checkout when you go to homefieldapparel.com. All right, so we already kind of talked about what we expect to see with the matchups here. What do you got for a prediction here? How far are we going? With or without livers? Let's say we got to go without. Let's assume without, just like we predicted in the Big Ten tourney without Brooks, and he came back immediately. But we're going to predict without livers here. Without livers, Elite Eight. I believe. Same thing. Yep, get through Florida State, but if we're going to run into Alabama – Without him, whom I'm predicting to advance, I think they're a really good team. I don't think we can beat them without our one of our most important players. Like it'll be a good game. Michigan size inside will give them problems. What we do well, we still do well. But eventually, like it's just going to come home to roost. Like you can't do it if you're not full strength here. I have to agree with you. And uh, as much as I want to say, still riding him to the natty, like livers mean so much to this team, and not just as a player. And it's both. I mean, a player and an on on court player, like you said earlier. So lead eight would mean this was still an incredibly successful season. So those are the teams to be watching in the tournament. The got the teams we mentioned, um, Florida state, Texas. Um, you're going to want to watch LSU. You're going to Alabama, Alabama, Alabama is very athletic, uh, but Alabama could get tripped up too. I could see Alabama being a team that gets tripped up before that. Uh, the tournament never goes chalk. That's the biggest thing. And Alabama, while being very athletic, like they don't have a ton of tournament experience. So we'll see how they do, you know, under the bright lights here. So those are the teams that you need to be watching. I agree. I think Elite Eight, that's where I'm going. Um, my heart and wants to say, you know, we're winning it all. But man, that Gonzaga team is crazy talented. They are. They had three guys on the, on the first or second team All-American they're they're loaded. I'm still going to pick Michigan because, like we talked about earlier, that's what I'm going to do. But as a prediction, what I'm saying here, yeah, I think it's Elite Eight. Because, man, what's – God, if it gets – then if you get past the Elite Eight, you get to the Final Four, then you run into Gonzaga. And right. even full strength, that game's going to be a dogfight. So without livers, there's just no way I see it. 
hey, look, Illinois was able to knock us off, and we're a pretty good team without their best player. So it can be done. That's facts. It can be done, especially, I mean, Dixon just gets hot and starts, like, putting up 25 and 15 and dominating people. Which player needs to be the most consistent for Michigan to have a run? Hunter Dickinson. Just, he's got to be up and down. I mean, he's, I mean, got to be fed the ball. I, I say that because, like, I think his scoring load has to just, we're going to rely on him so much. But just outside of him, it has to be the next most important player, and that's Franz. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it's one of those two guys, uh, 100%. Franz, I would say maybe more so because he's been the more inconsistent between the two, mm-hmm. which is crazy to say that. But Dickinson, for the most part, other than like an Illinois game and the first part of that Michigan State game where they weren't feeding him the ball, has been a rock for us. So I'm not as worried about him, but Franz has games where he'll disappear for a whole half ball. So we're going to need him locked in and engaged the entire way and I mean, we're going to need 12 from him and 18 from Dickinson night in and night out. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 things, crazier things have happened, my man. Crazier things have happened. I got a superlative for you, though, one, before we get out of here. One of my favorites. Don't you can build me. a missing rotation spot with one of the following players in their last season with Michigan. Charles Matthews, Ignas Brazdakis, or Nick Stauskas. Man, that's a, a good, good superlative. That's a good list. So last year at Michigan. Yeah, in their last year at Michigan, so when they were at their peak. I would love Brozdakis in that position because I think he he's such a good playmaker with or without the ball, the way he can move without it, the way he defends. And he's big. He's a big fella. And I think it would also take some of the pressure off Bonds to be uh, Franz to be a playmaker. So I, give me Iggy. Give me the villain. Mm, that seed, not a bad pick. I thought about this long and hard for me. It's Stauskas running away because I think a lot for a lot of the reasons you said, I think Franz and Iggy are very similar players. Now Iggy brings the villainous role, which we loved. And I think yes. maybe that's playing into decision, but Stauskas's three point shooting with while missing livers and Stauskas was also pretty big and, you know, big enough to play the small forward if you needed him to. So I would take Stauskas personally, bring that three-point shooting in, bring a little offense. I think we're still a very good team defensively. All right, who wins in a fight? Nick Stauskas, Iggy Brasdakis. Let's get get down to brass tacks here. Iggy Brasdakis, don't even, don't, what are you talking about? He is Ivan Drago. Iggy Brasdakis would probably beat Juwan Howard. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to pick against, okay, let me see here. All right, so there. Uh, Michigan last year for Stauskas, yeah, he he shot forty four percent from three, which is absurd. That's, um, that's, that's big. Like he's that. yeah, he's only six six though. That, I mean, Livers is what six seven. Uh, I, I'm talking about my man. Oh man, oh damn it! I thought I thought Brozdakis was like six eight. He's only six six as well. No, he just played big. I'm telling you, Stauskas is the choice there. Now, not the defender Brozdakis is correct. And Brozdakis had twenty pounds on him last year there too. Ross Dacus looked like a freaking boxer. Yeah. He'd be a fun player on this team. I kind of wish he would have stuck around a little bit, but yeah. What about DJ Wilson? If I throw him into that mix, that would definitely give the size there. I would feel good about pulling every rebound in every game. I mean, you could play, you could play him at the four. That's fun. That's That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Eases the pressure. Yeah. Honestly, that might be the answer. I know, and not the like exciting pick necessarily of those. You'd be like DJ Wilson, but what that would do to the team and your size overall would be, whew. yeah, it does a lot because it wasn't he like sneaky tall too. DJ Wilson wasn't sneaky tall. We had him playing the five. He's six ten, six eleven. He's a big dude, lanky, but still lanky. 
Yeah, he can move. I mean, the new newly Houston Rocket, DJ Wilson. So that's, yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you get up against Texas, you're going to have to see Kai Jones, uh, USC's in our bracket, I think. No, they're above us. They're in Gonzaga's. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're above us in that bracket. So, yeah, there will be some guys that can defend the paint. I don't know. It's an interesting one. All right, my man, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, before we get out of here, though, want to do a little primer. We've got draft season coming up, which is always probably my favorite pod pod season time. I oh, would say. Yes, it's it's very personal between for you and I. Very personal. Yeah, yeah. we've got it going back and forth with our spring game draft. So uh, if you don't remember in Harbaugh's first year, they actually did a legitimate spring game where they drafted it up. And we've done it every year since. We've been more consistent than Harbaugh, but... I would say that that's not really going out of bounds in in any regards. So we've uh, we're going to keep it going this year. So I'm really excited about that. What's the overall score? We've done it three times. Am I up on you two to one, or are you up on me? I I know we're one one. This past year gets so tricky because of transfers and everything else. So we're gonna wipe. We're gonna we're probably just gonna wash last 2020. Year. Yeah, because it was just so weird. Because like by the end, like I think you're missing like six players. I have Dylan McCaffrey and I had Joe Milton, and it's like. What, what what like what are what we doing, are doing here? here? Yeah, so it's like I think we're we're one one for uh eighteen and nineteen. All you right, kill yep. you kill me at eighteen. I got you back in nineteen. Yep, yep. So we got the rubber match this year. That'll be fun. And then right after that, we've got our NFL draft, which we always put some effort into and like to throw some trades in there. And overall, last year we actually did really well on our draft. We, we <laughs> yeah, like, there's thirty two picks in the first round. We hit like eleven or twelve of them. We did pretty good. Yeah, we did better than some of the GMs. Like, okay, I can do this. Yeah, yeah, no, we could definitely be a GM. So looking forward to that. That'll be coming up. But next week, we're going to report on the NCAA tournament. Make sure that you're staying tuned to all of the Maize and Brew content. We're going to be keeping you up to date with this tournament run, which hopefully is a long and prosperous one. Make sure that you're liking, sharing, subscribing, wherever you get this podcast, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. Follow us on Twitter at Maize and Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.